Hey, what's happening? It's September 28th, 2022. We got another podcast for you. It's going to be a quick and short one, so take it easy. Stand by. So what's happening? Welcome back again to another episode of the Psycho Shack Podcast. I'm Ivan Rodriguez. I'm your host. This is this podcast that talks about motorcycles and more. I only talk about motorcycles when I feel like it, if you're listening for the first time. Nah, it's usually about motorcycles. Let me stop being an asshole. When there's stuff to talk about with regards to motorcycles, I talk about it. Not a whole lot going on. The season's coming to an end. Like I said, it's September 28th, Wednesday, and we got maybe a month left. I mean, if winter decides to set in early and snow before Halloween, then yeah, we're done. But let's hope uh, let's hope old man winter doesn't decide to get the white stuff down for a very long time. That's for sure. So, hey, uh, welcome back to the podcast. If you want to email the show with some ideas, topics, or just send me some photos of your rides, send it to the Cycle Shack Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on the Facebook page at the Cycle Shack Podcast on Facebook. A very special thank you to Anchor.fm for hosting this podcast. We're also available on Apple podcasts or iTunes if you will what it used to be called Spotify if you like what you hear subscribe don't forget to hit that subscribe button and we are now featuring an audio copy of this on YouTube you know what it ain't the best podcast in the world and I'm not selling myself short there's over 4 million podcasts out there now from what I read and you know what for them to make it big like Joe Rogan you got to be very interesting. And I know, you know what? I'm one in four million, right? It is what it is. <laughs> but uh, definitely going to say that uh, right now, uh, as I do this podcast, I'm thinking about Florida. Been watching the reports on Florida and what's been going on. The hurricane looks like it made a significant impact, man. Ian came in roaring but um it doesn't look like his power is uh holding up and the people of florida look like they're holding up pretty well there's a lot of stuff that happened i've been watching the news you know um i hate saying thoughts and prayers because that's so played out you know but um definitely thinking about the people in florida and what they're going through and what they could be going through i can only imagine i don't know what it's like because i don't live down there but, yeah, definitely, we hope they pull through. Um, it looks like the worst of the storm is starting to come through. 
and it's a downgraded. It went from a five down to a two, but that's not, you know, with a few hours of pounding on that on that state. So, uh, yeah, Florida, we're with you, man, definitely. So, uh, I want to mention to uh, Stream Beats by Harris Heller for the music on this podcast. You can check him out on Harris Heller. Uh, he also he's also on iTunes. Just type in uh, Stream Beats, and you will get a ton of music for your podcast. So yeah, check it out. I uh, I wanted to jump on just to do a quick small show, 15, 20 minute rant and talk. Not much going on, like I said, and you know, again, the show is usually about motorcycles, but this is my platform that I use to talk about anything. You know, it could be news-related, could be whatever it is my gums feel like flapping about this week. I feel great that I've stayed away from generic media. I haven't seen a news broadcast in about... And what I mean by news broadcast is every morning uh, I work from home. I have a home office, so I would... I You know, I got to set up. And I got a, of the three or four monitors that I have, one of them's an actual television set. And I used to watch the morning weather with the morning news. And I used to have to, you know, like any other place, you play either a radio or a TV in the background. And I used to play Channel 11 News, which would give me local New York metro weather and news. I live about an hour and a half north out of New York City, so... A lot of that stuff never really applied to me, but it's, you know, I travel to the city enough and I got family and friends in the city. And I used to get tired of hearing about the mass murders, killing, and the stupidity going on in the city. And let me tell you, man, not watching the news honestly makes a difference in your mental health state. I really got to say that not watching the news for almost three months, two months and change, going on three months has been perfect. I get on my phone and I, or... Well, I get on my iPhone, and I have the Weather Channel app, and I normally just look at that and check the weather. And and then I'll check the five-day forecast. So, uh, excuse me. And um, with that, I'll be able to tell what the weather's like. And normally, there is on my computer that I use for work, on Windows 10, there is a little doohickey on the bottom that comes up. And when your mouse goes over it, it gives you local news, weather, etc. Nothing crazy. Usually political stuff or top story type stuff. And I'll glance at that. And I'll read like maybe five minutes just, you know, just to scan through it. And I go, oh, okay, nothing new happening in the world today. And I move on. And I never look at it again. But to sit there, and I used to sit there and watch the Channel 11 morning news. That would broadcast from like 6.30 a.m. that I was on it till like 10 a.m. That was torture. It really was. And I found myself having to see it and hear it. And they would rebroadcast everything over and over and over again. I was listening to that shit. And it just does not do good for your mental psyche, let me tell you. Just to hear bad news all the time. Corruption, crime, government corruption, bullshit in government, you know, a a lot of it just bullshit on what's going on. And it was horrible. Then from there, I would watch the noon, the the news at noon. And in between, I dabbled to CNN, etc. So that didn't help. 
and then I'd uh, during dinner pop on the TV and watch the either five or six o'clock evening news. Then I'd jump on at ten, eleven, and watch the evening uh, or the late night news. No good for your mental psyche, man. Let me tell you to so just hear the same bullshit over and over again all day. Not good. So I got rid of it, and you know what? The best. Try it. Anyway, gun rights is one of the things I've been talking about lately, and it's because that's something that, just to jump on this real quick, and I won't stay on it because I don't want to sound like a, a gun nut. I am not a gun nut, but I am an advocate of the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is something that people self-interpret, but it is self-explanatory. And I will say that while people try to dissect the amendment, it's plainly stated. So I do believe in the Second Amendment, and I do believe that, you know, we have the right to be armed. How you arm yourself is your business. As long as you are a responsible gun owner in every way, shape, or form, obey the law to the T, it's all good. And most licensed gun owners are. I will say that gun owners that go through the long, tedious task in New York State of getting licensed they don't want to lose that. So they make sure they don't want to screw up in any way, shape, or form. Okay? Everyone I know that has a license is a straight arrow. Okay? And I I mean that. I'm not just saying that because I'm partial to this. It's true. Everyone that I know that that carries, has a concealed carry, does not want to get into any bullshit, does not want to involve himself in any drama at all. If there's anything that looks significant to, to, to drama breaking out, hey, well, been nice seeing you. I got to go. And they whole ass out of there. I've been in homes where people walk in that have concealed carry. The owner of the home is a concealed carry person. And people walk into the door and out of respect, pull their weapon out, unload it, give it to the owner of the home. And he locks it away in the safe. And that's because they're going to sit there and have an evening of drinks and laughing. It's just, you don't have to do that. It's just responsible gun ownership, right? But anyway, that's just an example. And to hear all the BS that's going on with the government and what they want to do, it's just crazy. All right? Um, the, the latest... That I heard. Let me back up a second before I even get into this one. The debate that I constantly hear, and this is on the personal side. And this is where I laugh because I I watch friends get into heated debates about this. And it's stupid because the friends are all gun owners. But because one owns pistols, the other one owns rifles and assault rifles and pistols, the pistols say, well, there's no reason in the world why someone would need to own an AR-15. Maybe you're right, but that's an opinion. That statement is an opinion. 
from someone to say, hey, you know what? I have a sidearm. I got a 9 millimeter. I got a Glock 19. I've got a, a, a SIG, whatever. Whatever it is, 40 cal. I don't believe there's any reason why any person should own an, an AR-15 or an MP4 assault rifle in their home. Well, let alone go hunting with one. Who's going to hunt with an AR-15? Simple examples I'm going to give you. One, if I own weapons and I'm licensed, first off, I don't need a license for a rifle. But what I own is my business. How prepared I am is my business. Prepared for what is none of your business. It's a hobby. It's something you take serious and you're responsible with. So who cares what you own as long as you own it legally and responsibly, right? Next point. As far as hunting, you're right. Most people don't go hunting with an AR-15. But I do know people that do go hunting with it because they do carry single shot, single action rifles that may shoot 308. But they're bolt action to hunt a deer or elk, whatever the case may be. But there are some, an, an, an AR you can use to hunt deer. It's, the round is no different than what shoots out of a 308, right? As far as size, it may be varying size, but it's not all that more powerful. Because let me tell you, deer hunting rifles are very powerful rifles. It's the same shit you find in semi-automatic assault rifles as far as the rounds. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I can be in a wooded area or in a forest where there's not only deer, there's elk, and there are wild boar. Now, wild boar are nasty little fuckers. They will charge at you, and if they're going to charge at you and all you are armed with is a bolt action rifle you're screwed because you got one shot and as fast as that (laughs) bolt action method you use to reload that rifle and get that next round chambered yeah so you might have to turn around and fire off a few rounds on a bore that you see that looks like it could be charging or looks like it could be a potential threat so you let off two or three rounds to kill it Sometimes you have to let off more than two or three rounds. And that's why you're armed with that stuff. Now, I know that may be a silly example, but it can happen. It's been known to happen. There are other things in that forest that are there to kill you or in that mountainous area. There are people that go to the mountains of the Midwest or, you know, the southern area outside of uh, uh, Vegas, etc. There's mountain lion. You've got to be able to pull off several rounds quickly because you're in a dangerous spot and you're hunting. So that's the reason why a lot of people have ARs that and their ex-military, their gun collectors, they're nice to have. The hobby is collecting it, working on it, shooting it, going to gun clubs, having competitions with it. It's all good. That should not reflect a crazy motherfucker that decides to go into a school and commit a crime where he's doing a mass shooting. 
two different people. Psycho, responsible gun owner. The responsible gun owner shouldn't pay for the psycho's actions. That's just my opinion. Now, I don't own personally assault rifles, but I'm not against anyone having them. So, yeah, the government already has things in place to do background checks on people. Just make sure you do it. Make sure there's funding that goes to these gun laws and make sure that those gun laws are not only obeyed, but the methods used to obtain those weapons are strictly enforced. Like the people in government who are signing off on this when the background checks happen. That's all. Moving on. The next thing here, case in point on this whole discussion was, I went on a rant on this on the last podcast. And on this one, I just wanted to add that just recently I read that there's a new thing that's going to happen. Uh, the U.S. government got together with the major credit card companies, which is Visa, MasterCard, and uh, American Express. And what they are doing now is, through certain special coding, now when you purchase firearms, it's going to come up as a special coding where Visa, MasterCard, and American Express will allow the U.S. government access to that coding they'll just directly fire it off to them and the u.s government will then determine if that purchase is a suspicious purchase and if you are a threat now this could be a good idea but this can also be a bad idea there's a lot of good but there's a lot of bad and what i see is okay it's one way to monitor The bad can be if you have a, and I hate to sound like an old grizzled dude, but if you've got a young buck who is anti-weapon, who is of today's society, whom everything is available through an app and Ubers every fucking where he goes and decides he's an anti-gun nut and wants to deem something a suspicious purchase, that person is now a target because now that person in power is stating, Hey, that hundred rounds of Remington 308 that this guy bought, that's a suspicious purchase. And he just bought two rifles. What does he need two rifles and a hundred rounds for? What's this person doing? So now where's the, where, where do you decipher now? Where's enough enough? So, You know, credit card companies are now using special coding for tracking of gun and ammo purchases to now make it completely open to the U.S. government. They're just literally forwarding them that info, and the U.S. government will do what they will with it. So now they reserve the right to determine what was a suspicious purchase. So you can literally have these people knocking on your door with local law enforcement saying hey we're here to check on xyz or we believe this was a suspicious purchase because it's not necessary for xyz and then what what's the next step we all know that the next step is going to be that they're going to want to confiscate so everything is pointing to confiscating Weapons in some sort, in some way. 
I mean, that would that would be the only end game because they keep putting all these different obstacles. And again, none of that is going to stop someone from who's who's a fucking lunatic from wanting to buy something in the black market with the amount of rounds that he needs for the act he feels he's going to commit. Because there is a black market no matter what. You can ban guns. What's to stop people from committing a crime with grenades? Homemade explosive devices. What's the next thing? Things can happen in mass shootings where, okay, assault rifles are banned. Someone can't go commit a mass murder using two 9mm handguns that hold, what, 16, 17 per gun? So it's, you know, it's pick your poison at that point. I mean, I I, I don't know. Because after you ban the assault rifles, what's next? That's the way I look at it. So again, I'm not a gun nut, but I do advocate the right for those people who feel they want to purchase weapons responsibly and own what they own as long as it's responsible gun ownership. Anyway, moving on. I was reading some shit here that uh, winter 2022-2023 snowfall predictions, the jet stream shifting from the cold La Nina, they're calling it, is forecast to have an impact on snowfall patterns this next upcoming season. You know, I personally, looking at, you know, and reading what I read, Farmer's Almanac, all that stupid shit, because I look at all that dumb shit, and it, uh, It pointed towards we're going to have a hell of a cold winter. Now, in this past week, I want to say two weeks ago, it was hot as shit out in New York that I still ran air conditioning. I ran air conditioning up until last week. Then midweek last week, it got cold. It dropped down into the 60s and hasn't been up ever since. That was quick. That was a quick shift because we were like literally up almost in a 90 degree range. So, uh. The air conditioning in my home has not been on ever since, and I have yet to turn on the heating. Uh, Actually, in the next couple of days, I start servicing my heat, testing it, and all that stuff uh, to be ready for November 1st. Yep, my cheap ass tries to go all the way through November 1st, man, because although for me, uh, heating is a lot cheaper than cooling my home, uh, it's still a pretty penny, and yeah. Things aren't getting cheaper nowadays. That's another thing too, man. The economy is is things are not getting any cheaper, man. From buying groceries, meat at a supermarket or at a at a wholesale club, price club like a BJ's or a Sam's Club or a Costco, it's not getting cheaper, man. Everything is going up, but the cost of living at work, you know, people aren't making more money to compensate with that. You know, COVID is, I won't say over, but it's subsided and things are still as if we were in a COVID state almost. And it's fucking ridiculous. So anyway, let me not spin off into a rant to that. Global weather driving in upcoming weather seasons. La Nina. What does the latest ocean ocean analysis data show? What are the expectations? Looking at global long-range weather forecasting systems and historical data analysis. 
Did I pick this article just because it sounded interesting in the title? <laughs> Enzo, in short for El Nino, Southern Oscillation, is the region of... All right. This is getting too too smart for me. And I think I shouldn't have picked this as a topic to talk about. Yeah, so basically what they're saying here is that they're predicting a hell of a fucking winter this winter. Yep. All right. There's a picture here of the jet stream. I tell you what, I'm going to post this link on the on the podcast notes and you guys can click the link and read it for yourself. But basically the jet stream called La Nina opposite of El Nino is forecasted to have an impact of snowfall. So it looks like everything's coming like shifting from the top from Alaska and the jet stream is just blowing downward from the central uh, northern area, plains area, from like North Dakota, South Dakota. Everything is just like pushing down from the Canadian side and going, you know, in a pattern up into the northeast. And yeah, according to this, we're going to have a hell of a winter. I hope not. But, uh, what I was getting at before with the temperatures was from one week to another, we went from like 88 degrees down into the 60s. That was scary in like one week's time. And we haven't been able to, well, we made it up into the 70s, like 72 a couple of days ago. But today was like 60 something, 67, the high. Feels great, don't get me wrong. But, you know, from riding a motorcycle, the leather's got to come out, you know, get caught at night. It's going to be very cold. So time to bundle up. Um, one more month, man. That's all it's going to take is one more month. What in the hell happened here? All right, we're going to try to do this again because I lost my notes here. Why did that happen, Ivan? I did have uh, the Harley Davidson warranty addendum that I wanted to talk about, but I forgot the paperwork. Because I did receive in the mail the new addendum to the Harley-Davidson warranty. Uh, I only have one bike that's still in the warranty, which is the 2021, uh, my wife's 2021 Sport Glide, which they don't make anymore, but it's a 2021 model. And she's got till 2023 two year and I don't think I want to purchase another uh, warranty but for the most part there's an addendum to it and it's basically stating that Harley Davidson can't tell you that they won't service your bike that you can't get it serviced by a private person or private mechanic etc or that you can't do your own work but anyway moving on uh, so Last article here, 10 best motorcycle tires. Top 10 tires for 2022. I like this because the tires that I prefer are on this. And uh, you could read along with this. It's going to be on the show notes on the Cycle Shack podcast. Um, Right now, let me see. You've got... uh, 
top 10 motorcycle tires. This is from MotorcycleSportWorld.com. Link is on the show notes, and you could read it whenever you'd like. But basically, bicycles tires are among the most crucial parts of your ride. That's because they're the single point of contact between you and the road. Hence, having a good tire is essential to improve your bike's comfort. No shit. However, some people may find it hard to tell between a good and a bad tire. While the stock tires on your bike may be good for most rides, they're not the best options in the market. Upgrading to something with more volume, less rolling resistance, better cornering grip, or just even more puncture protection might completely change your riding experience. Unlike the aftermarket accessories, a good pair of tires doesn't have to cost a fortune. We added the protection and comfort they're definitely worth the money you pay. So if you're planning on improving your ride, you'll need a decent set of tires. If you're in the market for the best tires for street rides, you'll find a lot of opinions. Luckily, we made a list of the top four cycles you can buy to improve your ride. Forget about motorcycle t- uh, motorcycles. It's supposed to be about motorcycle tires. Anyway, moving on. The number one were the Michelin Commander 2s. Nothing beats a pair of Michelin tires if you're looking for the best tires or uh, to put on your bike. The world-renowned tire company is known for making one of the most reliable, wear-proof tires on the market. The Michelin Commander 2 tires are no exception and can go over 40 kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles. So you can tell right now this is a foreign publication. Anyway. Tires integrate special, blah, 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 whatever. Whatever material they're made out of, that's what they integrate. So these are supposedly number one. Okay, here we go. The features are their special tread patterns, improved technology reduces weight, and improved stability, long-lasting and can cover over 25,000 miles. There you go. Pirelli Angel GT tires. Now, just so that you know, I have nothing invested in this. No one's paying me to say this. They're not a sponsor of the podcast. This is just articles that I read. I pick them up and I find interesting, so I share them. So the next ones are, let's get through this. The Pirelli Angel GT tires. The features are good for wet conditions, improves comfort and stability at higher speeds, highly durable with extended mile sport technology. I don't know anything about cost on these tires, but I can tell you right now, these tires are very expensive. Um, they're, they're, they're decently priced. Number three, Dunlop Q3 Plus Sport Max, Sport Max tires. Why did I have trouble saying that? I don't know. The features are significant improvement to grip, steering, and stability at high speeds. Multi-tread technology with silica that makes them more durable extensively tested on racetracks to improve and ensure performance. The next one, Dunlop 404s. These are found on most old-school Harleys, 2008, 2007 baggers, etc. If you're looking for, uh, you know what, let's not get into that. Improved grip and stability with special tread compound, specially designed to improve mileage and grip, improves comfort and ride quality. I will say that the Dunlop 404 tires had a pair of these, while they do last a pretty good long time, 
my only problem with these is they are the grip on them was a little shaky uh when they wore down a good amount and I would not I wouldn't say they were worn when they wore down I want to say maybe after 10,000 miles they started getting a little slick on me and it wasn't that the tire was worn out and I needed a new tire it was just the compound went from being a sticky gripping compound to they just got hard the compound just changed after 10,000 miles especially on the rear and I wound up you know on wet conditions getting you know feeling that slide a little that was the only thing I didn't like about these tires um so I've had them now these are my favorite tire because I run these and I ran these on most of my bikes with great results knock on wood thankfully and again, please note that when you put tires on, you have to follow the manufacturer's uh, uh, recommendation and have the right tire pressures at all times. I run on my Harley. I have a 2016 Ultra Limited Low bagger. I'm a heavy guy. All right. I'm in the high 200s. So I run medium suspension and I run my tires at. 38 in the dead of summer, 40 now. So I want to say when it's about 90 degrees, 80 degrees out, I run between 36 and 38 PSI, front and rear the same. And right about now when we're in the 60s to like whenever winter sets in and I ride in the winter, um, a 40, front and rear. I just get the best results that way. Um... And that's just what works for me. Uh, this tire is number five on the list. And it is the Shinko 777 Cruiser Tires. I only advocate this tire because I've ran them myself. I have them on my bike right now. And they are awesome. I've had them since last year. I am... Not in desperate need of tires right now, but they are almost at their wear limit. So I will be finishing out the month with them. And once I lay the bike up for the winter, I am going to be taking and purchasing a new set and getting new tires over the winter. So I'm ready to go, ready to rock come next spring. So I got a good solid two seasons of riding, but I got over 15,000. You know what? Just shy of 15,000 miles. I won't say I went over 15,000. But as soon as I got these bad boys last year, uh, I got them in the beginning of the season because I was going on a long trip to North Carolina. And, uh, yeah, they performed flawlessly. I love the tread pattern. I love the way they feel in wet conditions. The tires have a soft compound on the side and a bit harder compound in the middle like they should have for straight riding. But on those nice lean turns, you know, I'm on a bagger, but I cut pretty low. Um, I got the the traction that I need because the sides of that are a softer pattern. Awesome feel on these on these tires. Um, you got to get the ones, and they once you order them, they will come that way. But you got to be on the lookout. There are two types. There are the regular cruiser dunk, um, uh, Shinkos, and there are the touring model Shinkos for Harley Touring, specified for Harley Touring. That's the model you want to get for a Harley. The reason being is 
it's made of a harder compound and it's a harder sidewall. Um, my son runs these on a cruiser, on his Honda Shadow cruiser, and it's a different tire. It's an exact tire, just different, differently made. My tire is a lot more heavy duty and harder than his on the sidewall, and it's because it's going on a bagger as opposed to a cruiser. Um, he did get significantly less mileage out of his, but my son, one, rides a lot more than me, and I ride a lot, and two, he actually took his to Daytona uh, this year, earlier this year, so um, he got a good he got a good bang for his buck with his tire, and he's rocking his second pair, but he had them since last year, so they weren't new when he went to Daytona. They were good, but they weren't new. They were good when he got back to Daytona from Daytona, but after about a month or two of riding every freaking day, he went through the tire like nothing. So, um, yeah, these are the Shinko 777s. Uh, I personally recommend them because it's what I personally run. Uh, if you're looking for a great set of tires specifically designed for larger cruiser machines, look no further than the Shinko 777 tires. These tires are available in a multitude of sizes to fit many V-twin and metric cruiser models. The tire has been significantly designed to offer a great combination of traction, mileage, making it the perfect uh, tire for cruiser bikes. The directional tread pattern offers, offers excellent wet and dry traction, while the H-rated four or six-ply construction ensures durability and a smooth ride. So there you go. There's a four-ply and a six-ply. Um... Tubeless design means you'll never have to worry about a flat tire again. Anyway, I recommend the tire, definitely. Then you got number six, the Bridgestone Excedra Max Tires. Don't know much about these, but basically, uh, tires are made for cruisers and mine. Specific rubber compound, good for long-term use, uh, and are tubeless. Metzler, Metzler ME 880 Marathon Tires. Heard a lot of good things about these tires. They are very pricey. However, I heard they were a good tire. I heard. Never had them. Uh, never had the Bridgestones either. I've never had any other tire other than the Dunlopes. Uh, I don't remember what model number Dunlope. The 404s that I mentioned here were on the 2008. I had a 2008 anniversary Electroglide Classic that came with the Dunlop 404s. My cruiser now came with the Dunlop uh, 2016. It came with the Dunlop. Oh man, what models? Anyway, I didn't like those Dunlops because again, the compound was just too hard for me. The compound winds starts soft, but then winds up getting hard and they get slick. That before, way before the tire tread pattern wears, which to me sucks because now you're not getting the right use out of the tire. Um, and Dunlopes are pretty pricey. Um, hey, Shinko came in here again at number eight, the Shinko 230 Tourmaster tires. Now, this one says the Shinko 230 Tourmaster was designed for long distance travel with heavy loads in mind. You know what? I might even give these a try because if that's the case, why not? Wet or dry conditions, this tire is built to provide excellent performance and traction. The Shinko 230 Tourmaster is perfect for high-speed, long-distance riding. 
with staggered tread so you'll enjoy a quiet, excellent handling ride. Plus the Aramid belted and tubeless for even peace of mind while you're on the road. Nice. Shinko 230 Tourmaster. I gotta remember that. The next ones are the Continental Conti Tour Tires. Never heard of these. This tread pattern is very ugly. I wouldn't be caught dead with these tires, so I'm not even going to bother reading them. Pirelli Night Dragons. These look pretty good. They look like Dunlopes. Uh, heard good things about Pirelli, but uh, they are a pricey tire. They are the Pirelli Night Dragon tire. Offers better adhesion to the road. Holding you on the road with good looks than standard tires in the custom cruiser market blah 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 the Pirelli Night Dragon tires are designed to provide increased levels of grip and durability as well as a larger contact patch good looking tire damn good looking tire they look old school but you know again Pirelli's are pretty expensive Final thoughts, and this is as per the article. Choosing a decent set of tires may be a difficult task because of the number of options on the market, and that's why we highlighted the top tires you can buy to improve your ride's grip and comfort. Tires are an essential part and component of your bike, and you should pay special attention to. If you want to improve your ride quality, definitely invest in a decent set of tires. So you heard it here for all you people that on the forums that hate Shinkos and say, hey, buy American, buy this. You know, hey, you know what? I get it. But buying Dunlopes for my freaking bike, the front tire alone is 230 bucks. 200 between 230 and $280 for the front tire. Okay. Now, to save a buck, I take the rims off myself. I have a lift that I leave the bike on, I'll throw the bike on the lift. And I'll pull the tire, the rims off, and I go, I'll go. i take them in. I buy the tires myself, and I'll take them in and get them swapped out at 30 to 40 bucks per tire. And I do that at an independent dealer because Harley-Davidson won't allow me to do that. Harley-Davidson will not allow me, and this is my dealership. I don't know if all dealerships are the same way. They won't allow me to buy my own tires at a discount price because I feel I want to pay that for that tire. And they won't allow me to bring the tire with the rims, with the my old, you know, tires on the rims, obviously, to swap out so that I could put on my bike. No, they want me to bring the bike in and charge me the full freight. So they want to charge me almost $400 for my rear tire installed and then another 340-something bucks for my front tire installed. That's almost 800 bucks or about 800 bucks when it's all said and done. When I can go buy the Shinko 777s that I got for my bike this year. I'm sorry, last year. That I'm going to change again this year. And I'm going to switch from, I think, the 777s. Even though I know those work. I'm going to give the 230 Tourmasters a uh, a look-see. Because the tread pattern still looks good. And if, you know, the compounds are that great. Hey. um, For the front tire, I think I spent $97 on sale and that was at jpcycles.com on sale regular price 129.99 so i got the sale price for the front 
and the sale price for the rear because I bought them together. And I think the rear was one twenty nine ninety nine sale. One thirty seven ninety nine was the regular. Now that's a big difference from a front tire Dunlop two hundred and thirty bucks, and then the rear another two hundred and eighty to three hundred bucks just for the tire. And then it's forty bucks to take the tire out. Right, if you take the tires out, throw them in your trunk of your car or truck, take them over to the uh, bike shop, speed shop, wherever you take them to get done. Get them mounted and balanced, bring them back home, put them on yourself. That's a savings, man. To me, that's a hell of a savings. That's uh, I'm saving almost four hundred bucks by doing that. Half the cost, so. You be the judge, man. When times are tough, Harleys are not cheap to own. Owning any motorcycle is not cheap anymore. And um, it's hard. It really is. So I'm going to do it yourself for And whatever I can do to save the buck, I do it. So, yeah. Again, these tires are going to be on the... uh, on the notes section of the podcast check them out top 10 motorcycle tires and that's from motorcyclesportworld.com it is a foreign publication I don't know where that's from what part of Europe or but anyway hey if you like what you heard on the podcast thanks for giving me a try subscribe If you're looking on YouTube or listening on YouTube, there's nothing to see. You're just going to see the logo and hear the podcast. Just type subscribe so you can get notified when the show comes back on. If you're on Spotify or on Apple iTunes, give me a like, rate the show, tell me what you think. Contact the show at the Cycle Shack Podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook at the Cycle Shack Podcast. And again, thank you to Anchor.fm, the sponsor of the show. And uh, for putting us out there and getting the platform and for putting a little something in the pocket of the Cycle Shack so we can keep this going. I'm Ivan Rodriguez. Thanks for joining me, man. Keep your two wheels down. Enjoy that one month left. One month left of riding we got. If you ride in the winter, kudos to you, man. I'm going to try it this year, but I talk a lot of shit. (laughs) Keep them two wheels down. We'll see you soon.